0: Glenn is correct. Brother Glenn is correct. Thank you. He is so right that churches do not want to preach about hell. Yeah? They don't preach that anymore. Because it is a hard message. And guess what I'm going to preach about today? Um, for our visitors is here this morning The first time you're walking in on a day And you go, that church, they're preaching at hell The very first time we walk in there so, um, But it is so true that these days Unfortunately and sadly The churches are trying to get people in Fill the seats So that they can make more money So that the pastors can live lavish lifestyles And so that, you know, we're a successful, vibrant church. Well, this is not a vibrant church. Successful? I don't know. One day we will see when we stand before Christ. And I'm not worried to be a successful or not successful church. Because He is the judge of that. Amen? Uh, But if you came here this morning to hear the Word of God, that's what I'm going to preach. And to be frankly, brother and sister, you don't want to hear anything else but the Word of God. I mean, what can I tell you? My stories, it's going to bore you. But if we come to the Word of God, man, it is so deep, you will never find its bottom. It is so wide, you can never put something around it and measure it. It is so high that no airplane or rocket ship from Elon Musk will ever reach it. Yeah? This whole world will go away, and that will still be there. So... For the last few weeks, we've been journeying through the book of Revelation, the first chapter. And that's been for many a week now, isn't it? And how would you have thought that we can preach so many sermons just on one chapter? And I tell you now, I mean, my wife said to me the other day, we were sitting around and she said, I'm listening to the sermons and... And you've got to have a heart for her. She's been listening to my sermons for all of her life. I mean, I've got one follower, one true follower. It's my wife. She has to sit down and listen to my sermons. And uh, she says, the stuff that's coming out now. I mean, I've preached through Revelation, I think it's three times, verse for verse, right through it. But the stuff which is coming out now, she said, wow, it's so rich and it's so deep. I've never heard you preach that before. And I said, yeah, you're right, me neither. <laughs> So uh, this is just how deep and how rich and how wonderful the Word of God is. I'm telling you now, if I'm telling you stories, or if I have to do a book every time, you know, purpose-driven books of all of those nonsense, I, 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 I had to work very hard because I will every time have to find a new book, or a new thing, or a new wave, or a new story to impress you. So I'm not here today to impress you, but I'm here to bring you the Word of God. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm in the right place. Amen. So, so you know that we were looking at, at uh, the first chapter, and we're on your way. I'm not going to preach right through Revelation this time, and we may, we may. I might come at the end of the churches, and we go into chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to show you some great things there. We may come there, and the Lord lays upon my heart to just continue on. Yes, and then I will listen to the Lord. Thank God I'm listening to him and not to man to continue preaching the Word of God. Now, we are on your way, and I want to come to the churches, to the seven churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3, because I think it is important for the church to hear these messages in the times we are living right now. We are living in very dangerous times. We are living in a time where the world governments and all the forces of darkness is intensifying their attack upon humanity, upon mankind, and eventually upon the church of God. This is where we are living now. So I think it's important to listen to Christ's words for the church in the times we are living now. I'm going to compare those with the seven kingdom parables in Matthew 13. We will get there. But on our way there, we are finding some wonderful treasures. And I have grown already in the last few months just preaching through this first chapter. We looked last week at death. You remember? We are looking at Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, where He says to John, who's sitting on the Isle of Patmos, and He says to John, He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? The first and the last. He who was, who is, and is to come. And he says, I am the resurrection, I'm alive forevermore. But then he says these interesting words. He says, I have the keys of Hades and death. The keys of Hades and death. And like I say last week, these are two subjects which is taboo in churches these days. People don't want to hear about death. It's not as if we stand around the coffee table and we talk about death the whole time, do we? Because people are afraid of it, and you as a child of God should not be afraid of death. Death should be your friend in a good way. I'm not talking about suicidal deaths. But death is not your enemy. Why? Because Christ has got the keys of death. And you can go and listen to that sermon. It's online. If you want to go online, I'll just quickly tell you where you can find it, www.kingswaycf.com. There you will find all of our videos and our sermons. And there is a lot of sermons going out to the world. We've got a following over the world now as well. So, last week we looked at death. This week we're going we're gonna to hit with another very serious, heavy sermon about hell. Because he says, I've got the keys of Hades and death. And you remember what we said last week, that keys represent control and authority. Control and authority over something or someone else. If I give you the keys of my car... What have you got? You've got the authority to be in my car and you've got the control to drive my car. If you go into my car now and you get in there without keys and you get the thing starting and you drive, what are you doing? You're stealing it. You're not in authority and you're not in control. Same thing with my house, same thing with a prison. Prison guard has got the keys. There's a reason why I've got the keys because he's got control over the prisoner. And He's got authority over the prisoner. And here we find the same thing that Jesus comes out and He says to you and me, which should be absolutely fascinating news to you, that He has got the keys of death. This is why I'm not afraid to preach in this facility, because this is only brick and mortar. Yes, it is a funeral home. Yes, we are preaching from a funeral home where there's a lot of dead corpses going through here. But that doesn't faze me because what fazes me the most is your soul. If you don't know it by now, this which you see flapping right now is only a body. It is what's inside of me that makes my hands flap like that. And that is what is more important to you than the body we're not saying you're destroying your body as some people do you look all around you some people destroy their bodies with alcohol and drugs and you know pornography and all of these kind of things we're not saying you should do that you should still look after your body did you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit didn't you know that? so uh, we see that keys represent control and authority over something and then We looked at this statement that Jesus said. He said, I have the keys of Hades and death. And we we know now control and authority, but then we saw that Hades, Hades is a holding place. And death is a condition. Yeah? Death is a condition. And Hades is a holding place. Now, the question is then, what is condition then? Condition is separation. That's what death is. Death is separation from life. Think about it. This is just plain stuff, people. This is just something which is just uh, common sense. If you think about death, it is a separation from life. If your body is separated from your soul, what happens? You ended up here. Yes? You ended up in the grave. That's a physical death. If, If the soul leaves the body... The body can't function. That's where the separation takes place. That's the physical death and it's also the first death. Go listen to last week's message. It's the first death. Man shall return to the ground. That's from where you were taken. You say, but I was born from my mother. Yes, I get it. But go all the way back to Adam who was taken from the ground. You and I and everybody around the world are all great, 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 great grandchildren of Adam and Eve. So we're all together, aren't we? And there you were thinking you're a South African and you're a Kiwi and you're an Indian and you're a whatever, and you're all different, yeah, we're all different, but we're all the same. I don't hear a lot of amens and hallelujahs on that. You're already falling asleep now. So we see that's also a separation from life when God's spirit is separated from our soul, that is called a spiritual death. And this is the second death. Where did we find that? Come on, you're a very, very uh, tuned-up church. Where did we find that? In Genesis. What happened? Uh, uh, God said to Adam, Thou shalt not eat of that tree. And what did He do? He ate of it. And what happened? A separation took place. A separation took place. What? The capital letter S for spirit was separated from the body of man, and that is why man didn't have that fellowship with God anymore. Instead, that capital, the capital letter S for the Spirit of God was replaced with the Spirit of man. And if you look upon the world right now, you see the Spirit of man operating, and that's why you see this foolish stuff that's going on in the world right now, which has been taught to your little children and to you even if you listen to it. Again, not a lot of amens, brother. But is it true? You see, it's not true because I say so, it's because the Bible declares it so. And the foolishness of man will continue to run after these things because the Spirit of God is separated from the soul of man. And what happens when you get born again? What happens? The Spirit of God comes and He restores within you. And this is why you and I can build faith. We can speak to God through prayer and He can speak to us. And the Spirit man becomes alive. You say... Well, where do you suck it out of your thumb? Where do you get that theology? Did you read books? No, it's in the Word of God because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, You who were dead in your trespasses and sins, he made alive. So, this is what it means when he says death is a condition, it's a separation. And then we looked at a serious warning. Who remembers the warning? Look at this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body. Oh, we do fear those, don't we? We fear the ones who can kill the body. This is what your mental capacity is telling you. Fear that man. Fear that man because he can kill you, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him. Everybody say him. Is that a small or a capital letter? Who's that? That's God. Fear him. Fear him. Do not fear man, fear him. Do not fear people who try to get control over you. Fear him. Do not fear animals who can kill you. Fear him. I'm talking about the human kind of animal, okay. I won't go further into that, but he says, Fear him who is able to destroy what? both soul and body in hell. They say, "Well, did you know that Jesus preached more about hell than anything else? more yes in revelation chapter 2 verse 18 he says but as for the cowardly and i've put a few dots in there just to save time and i'm not trying to cut down the scripture verses but you can go and read the verse i preached you know elaborately about it last week but he says a few other names there. even the faithless he puts in there he says their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur which is what the second death. You, you sang it this morning, my brother, the lake of fire. And I'll tell you what, if you put that song on the world stage to go to, 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 to a number one hit, it will never go to a number one, number one hit. In fact, they will try to cancel you. Yeah? He says here, now it's interesting because I want to talk to you about Hades where Jesus said, I've got the keys of Hades and death. But look at this now. The word "their hell" is a description for that hell. is given to us in Revelation. Is this hell here? This is how it looks like. It's a lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That's the hell he was mentioning there. He says, "Do not fear the one who can kill the body, but fear him who can kill both the soul and body." Where? In a hell in the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur the greek word here for hell is the word gehenna gehenna that's the word that jesus uses there he uses it right there he says do not fear uh, he says who will be destroyed in soul body in gehenna now gehenna is really interesting and when he uses the word gehenna in in greek every jew who listened to him at that point in time would absolutely understand what he was meaning why? Because there was a valley just outside of Jerusalem. And this valley was called the Valley of Hinnon. Hinnon. It was called the Valley of Hinnon. And this valley was a terrible place. It is a place where Judah and some of their kings offered their children as burnt sacrifices to. Gods to false gods who knows about Molech, the false god Molech. There were children's sacrifices, go and read it in the Old Testament. There were children's sacrifices made to Molech. This was the pagan nations who did it. But the spirit, listen, the spirit of the pagan nations started to infiltrate Judah, the nation of God. Let it be heard today that the spirit of the world has already infiltrated the church of today. That we see these kind of practices that's supposed to happen in the world, now happening in the churches. But back in that day, these uh, kings of Judah took their children and they took them into this valley and they put on fire there. And what can you get a fire burn more intense and more? It it becomes to, to smell like sulfur. And they had in this valley, they throw their children into the fire and sacrifice them to the gods. It became such a bad, terrible place to be. The Jews called it a place of curse, a cursed place. Later on as they went on and these children's sacrifices stopped that same valley which was next to the Kidron Valley. Don't get don't get confused here. What happened at the Kidron Valley? That's where Jesus went in and he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. That's not the place. This is a place of curse, the valley of Hinnon. And there they then later on in years when they stopped the practice of of, of doing and and let me just say, let me just say this. The world is the same. Every abortion that takes place today is the same as this. Every abortion. Abortion is not right. It's not a choice. It is a God-given life. Just wanted to get that off my chest. And again, not a lot of amens, but that's fine. But this is the place there, the, the valley of Hinnon. Okay, and, and later on, what they did is, is if you have very poor, you know, the beggars in the streets and so on, if they die, people wouldn't in that time even take the decency to take them and put them in a, in, a, in a burial, in a grave. They would pick up those corpses and they would bring them to this valley and they would throw those corpses in the fire in this valley of Henan. That place was called Gehenna. It's a terrible place. You say, give me proof about this children's sacrifice, preacher. Jeremiah 7 verse 30. For the children of Judah, you see, of Judah, have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name. And let it be known, it is the same today. It's the same. It will not be in this house. I'm telling you this. Here we will preach the word of God in spirit and truth. Whether we have one person sit here or ten or a hundred doesn't matter. But it is the same today. To do what? To pollute the house of God. And they have built the high places of Topeth, which is the valley of the son of Hinnon. You see, there it is. To burn what? to burn their sons and their daughters in fire. That's a terrible thing. That's a terrible, terrible thing. You've got small children. We've all got small children. I've had small children. I've got grandchildren now. Think for the life of you that we will take that baby and go throw it in a fire for a God which don't even exist. And now He says, which I did not command, nor did I come into my heart. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it shall no more be called Topeth, Uh, or the valley of, of the son of Heman. Listen, but it will call the valley of slaughter. For they will bury Topeth until there is no room. So what is this Topeth? What is he talking about? So what they did to those kings is they built high places to worship false gods. Topeth. They built these places. And the kings who followed God came and they destroyed them all. But this valley stayed. I hope you understand now better when Jesus says to these people, you see, we sit in a Western world, and there's so many decades between us and this happening. And, and remember what I said, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is transitional books. It's in the New Testament, but it was written under the Old Covenant. Yeah? It's a few weeks ago. You can go and listen to that sermon. It's under the Old Covenant. So he was predominantly speaking to Jews. The Bible says he came for his own first. And they rejected him. Praise God. Opening up a door for a gentile like me. So he says here to them, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. And they would all think when they heard Gehenna, the valley of Hinnom, the valley of slaughter. And do you think they want to go there? Come on, let me ask you. Would you want to go to the Valley of England? It's not there today, but in that day? No. No, the natural thing, I don't want to go there. And this, by the way, opened up the door for many false teachings where a lot of people, and even some of the Jewish rabbis said, this is a place where you would go and you will be, uh, it's like purgatory. You would go in there for a short space in time and then when your sins has been atoned for, then you can come out. That's a false teaching. That's false. There's no such thing as purgatory. You get your one chance here on earth while you breathe. You know what breaks my heart about those people that died in that building in Florida? I don't know if they were children of God. I don't know whether they were saved or not I read a terrible story about a lady standing speaking it was one o'clock when it happened in the morning with her husband and she said honey the pool is dropping and the next moment she's gone I don't know if that lady has been saved or not if she was not saved that's terrible because she had her chance let it be clear I don't know what doctrine background you're coming from. I don't know what teachings you've had before, but I'm giving you the Word of God. You've got one chance to call upon His name. That's why you've got your mental faculty here still working very well. You've got breath coming through your nostrils, and you've got a voice to call upon His name. When you die, you haven't got that anymore. So this is the place he's talking about. He's called Gehenna. Now Jesus didn't use the word Hades here. He didn't use the word Hades here. It's a different place. This is what I'm about to show you now. So he says here, I've got the keys of Hades and death not gehenna he didn't say he had the keys of gehenna because that's a permanent place you're going to once you enter into gehenna there's no coming out of it it's not a purgatory so in the old testament in hebrew and some people confuse this it is called sheol have you heard about that word now sheol and hades is one and the same thing it's not three different places See, this is where they try to confuse you. They come in and say, oh, what about Seol? What about Hades? What about Gehenna? This is as simple as that. We know now that Gehenna is the lake of fire. And let me just say, at this point in time, Gehenna is empty. There's nobody in the lake of fire yet. The first resident, the very first resident will be whom? Satan. He will be the first who will be entered into that place. And then the fallen angels, and then who? Who? Those who do not know Christ will go into that place. People. And let it also be known, I, I'm just telling you now, that, that Gehenna was never made, was never made. The most heartbreaking thing I'm going to tell you now is never made for people. Was never made for that. So I want to talk to you now about Seahol, in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, and Hades. This one that Jesus says He's got the keys of. We read about it in the book of Luke. We read about this place. And we're going to see now a revelation. You know what a revelation is? It's not something new. It's always been there. But the curtain is now just been lifted a little bit so that you and I can see what happens on the other side of death. So here's the question. You know, When I blow out my last breath, What happens five minutes after death? Or even two minutes or even one minute after death? Here we have a small picture. Now, let me also say, let me say, I absolutely do not believe this is a parable as some people try to tell you this is a parable. And I'm going to show you why I say this. Although it's in that same chapter, there's a parable before that, but then after the parable, Jesus moves on to another thought process and then He moves on to this. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. That is, a, that is really, if you, had, if you had purple and fine linen, it showed really how rich you were. And, and fed sum, sumptuously, that means he had a lavish lifestyle every day. Man, this sounds like our everyday person, isn't it? got a lot of money to burn he's got beautiful clothes now this man this certain rich man lived that life every day and by the way God has got nothing against riches God's got nothing against money but it's the love of money that there's a problem with it is what you do with that money that there is a problem with okay go and read James In the book of James, is how you get that money and what you do with that money. That's what you're going to give account for. But God's got no problem with, even if this man had this lavish lifestyle and he lived for God, that would have been fine. But he lived for himself. And it says there, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. One of my first points to you that this is not a parable is that none of the parables named a person by name. I believe 100% as much as I stand before you now that if I pass from this life to the other life and I, and I, and I go there, I will meet a man by the name of Lazarus. And let it also be known, this is not Lazarus who Jesus rose from the dead. This is a different Lazarus. This man was a poor man. He was full of sores. He was laid at his gate. He was lying at the gate of this rich man, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Who was that meant to go to, the crumbs? The dogs. It was meant to go to the dogs. But this man says, I'm like a dog. I'm happy to take that food. Moreover, the dogs came and they licked his sores. It's a terrible picture, isn't it? You get this man who's, who's got his whole life, you know, I don't know, maybe had rich parents. He doesn't say how he got to that. I don't know how he got to that lifestyle, but here he is full of himself and he thinks, I'm going to live forever. Life is good, man. And There's this poor man just outside the gates. And then... Verse 22, he says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abram's bosom. The angels carried him to Abram's bosom. How wonderful is that? This is something which the people couldn't see now. This is, this is now the veil that's lifted up. When he died, two minutes, one minute, name it, there were angels waiting for him. And they carried him. I don't know, I don't know how that, but they carried him, where? They took him to a specific destination, yeah? Remember, Hades is a destination, they took him to a destination. And then there was the rich man who also died and he was buried. Do you read anything about angels carrying him? No, 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 but this was an important man. Because you see, the Jews and the Pharisees, they considered that when a man was so wealthy and that he had this purple and fine linen, they considered it as proof that he was a righteous man. Isn't that what you hear from some churches these days? Why are you so poor? Ah, you haven't got a lot of faith. Come, let's pray for you. Hey, hey, give us $1,000 as, as a seed. And God will give you 10000 back. Yes, you're right, I'm mocking it because that's not biblical. So if you come afterwards and pray, say, Preacher, I want to I wanna reprimand you for, for making a mockery of God. I'm not. I will never make a mockery of God. But I will make a mockery of these people who, who control other people's minds for one reason only. Here, here they stand with this man and they say what a successful man and I tell you now there would have been a big funeral for this man while the angels carry this beggar into the bosom of Abel, there's this funeral going on and, and people would come and stand behind and tell them how great a person this was this person gave a lot of money to church, and this person you know he was such a great man oh he was a funny guy let me tell you a joke And they tell jokes at funerals instead of preaching the gospel of God. He had a big funeral, I believe. He was a very influential man. Some would even say a man of God, you know, look at him, he's rich, he's righteous and all of that stuff, but not knowing what's going on beyond the veil. There was nothing And being in torments. One is carried by the angel to Abram's bush and this man. Being in torments where? In Hades. Now some translations uses the word hell there. They uses the word hell. Because English is a translation. (laughs) It's translated from Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. Some translations he says, and being in torments in hell. It is the word Hades in Greek. Being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abram afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Let me give you something here which I absolutely believe in. When we die and move over into the afterlife or the other life, you will be able still to see and to recognize people. You will be able to speak. This is what this says. He saw, he saw uh, on that side Abraham and I absolutely believe, believe that this man was a Jew because he recognized Abraham and we will see in his conversation with Abraham how he addresses him and he saw Lazarus on his bosom. Think for yourself the shock, the absolute shock for this man. There he was, this rich, rich, influential man, and the Pharisees, no doubt, because they believed he's righteous, came around and they assured him, they said, man, you're such a good person. You're such a righteous person. Pharisee, are you sure? Are you? Yeah, you're okay, man. You're on your way to heaven, man. You're good. What a shock when he wake up in torment. And now... He sees the one who was lying at his gates being comforted for. You see, this is why this is such a serious and important message. What a shock. We continue on in verse 24. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham. You see, he acknowledges him as Father Abraham. And that's why I believe he was a Jew. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. You see, this is what I mean, brother and sister. At this point in time, Abraham could have just said for him, No worries, bro, just hang in there. You're in purgatory now within one year or six months you will come from that side to me and I that's not happening this is why I say you've got your chance now if there's anybody who can hear my voice today and you're not saved by the blood of the Lamb you are not born again I've got terrible news for you this is what's going to happen and you will be as shocked as this man when you sit in a place called Hades the abode of the death that's what it's called also. He says, but he says, dip his finger in this torment of fire. Verse twenty five. But Abraham said, Yes, go over, Lazarus, can go and comfort him. Is that what he said? No. But Abraham said, Son, you see, there's another sign. If he's a Jew, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But sharp contrast now, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Now, you say to me, this is a parable. Let me give you another reason why I don't believe it's a parable. When Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected, not resuscitated, I keep on saying that because I want to lay the, the seeds. When He was resurrected, he came to them not as a spirit. You remember that? He came to them in a what? In a body. Yeah? And that shows us some kind of way that we're going to be after we are resurrected. After we, are, you know, after we die. It shows us in some way. So if they were just spirits floating around, why a big gulf? You know, a spirit, if there's a big gulf here, you know, a big hole there, and I'm a spirit, I can just fly over this thing, can't I? So there was some kind of physical restriction for them not to be able to go through. But it's so wonderful, I think there are these good speakers and microphones down there. Because he could, he could hear him perfectly clear when he spoke, in and amongst all of the cries and the gnashing of teeth that's going on. We continue hastily on to verse 27 he says then he said now this is so fascinating to me all of a sudden this man becomes an evangelist all of a sudden this man becomes a missionary look at him and notice that he's not asking this for himself because now i think he realized that he had his chances And immediately now he thinks of others. Look at this now. Then he said, I beg you therefore, I beg you, that you would send him to my father's house. Why? Do you think his father is living a life of righteousness? No. Immediately he realized now his family is not serving God. And he wasn't an example for them to serve God. Maybe guilt grabbed hold of him and care. And now he says, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them. This is terrible to me because there's five lost brothers. Lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abram said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Who is Moses and the prophets? It's the Bible. You're right. Remember? New Testament... Old Testament. When this happened, that wasn't written yet. It wasn't written yet. You're absolutely right, brother. For them, for these people who were listening to Lazarus and this rich young man and all of the... This was their Bible. Moses and the prophets. <laughs> and how privileged are we today to have this, the New Testament? Because the New Testament completes the Old Testament. This is a shadow this is the substance some people still want to live under the shadow these are the people who wants to keep on doing the feasts and they put so much emphasis on the feasts did i push that out i wanted to do that purposely feasts they do that you know they, they they want to do the feasts The feast is only showing towards Christ, which is in the New Testament. So yes, I do, and I will still preach in this church, God willing, about the feasts. But what you're going to find out of the feast is Jesus Christ. But here He says to them, and by the way, I think it was a little bit harder work in the Old Testament to find Christ than it's for us in the New Testament. I'm going to say that again because it becomes an indictment against us, the New Testament church. It is an indictment against us. It was more difficult for the people of old to find Jesus Christ in the Old Testament than it's for us in the New Testament because the New Testament declared for us the Old Testament. The Bible says, Peter says, that people of old, the prophets... And the angels even looked into these things which they didn't have a clue about. And I say it's an indictment. Why do I say that? Because you've got no excuse. None. Different message. Let me continue. He says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, they don't want to read their Bibles. No, Father Abraham. But if anyone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rises from the dead. Now this is terrible, isn't it? He says they're not going to listen. If somebody rises from the dead, oh, they will listen. Listen. Now let me ask you: How many books is in the bookstore right now, the Christian bookstore, of people who proclaim that they've died and come back? How many? There is. I can think of a few now of testimonies of people coming back and say, "I died and I'm back, and I saw the I saw the gates of heaven and I saw the gates of hell." And they write, and you know, it's a bestseller. People buy that like hotcakes, man. <laughs> I want to read about that. Jesus, I want to hear. What is the gates of hell look like? And this person writes what they saw, and they write, and they walked, and you know all of these things. One man even proclaimed he was dead, and then he became alive, and then Christ said to him. I saw the videotape myself. He said that he met Jesus Christ personally, and, and Jesus said to him, To you has been granted the wish of the rich man in Luke chapter. You will go back and warn them. And when I saw that with a group, it was a men's group, uh, halfway through the thing I said, turn it off. You know, I, I'm, I'm. Let me give you teaching here today. Let me give you some good teaching here today. If God has written it there, there's, I don't read anywhere in the Bible except for one man. I'm going to read about him now. Uh, except for one man who went and saw paradise, no, and come back. and tell. In fact, this man, when he went there, he came back and he says, it's worth inexpressible. Anyway, let's continue. We find this place now here that he talks about is a place called Hades. It's a, it's a dwelling place. It's not a dwelling place, it's, it's a holding place. They call it, Hades is called the abode of the dead. And in this place now we see what is happening there. We see that it's a holding place of all of the souls who died. Where is that? It's down. It's down. Who is living in that place? Abraham. But there is a side there where there's comfort, a deep gulf, and then it's a side of torments. At that point in time, Old Testament people, what happens? Everybody goes there. Everybody goes there. They become prisoners there. Remember, here he comes with the key again. What is the key? Key has got authority and control over that place. They couldn't go anywhere, they had to sit there and wait. For what? For the resurrection. First resurrection and second resurrection at the second coming. Why? To be judged. First judgment at the bema seat of Christ where the children of God will go and second one at, at the white great throne judgment where everybody will be judged for their sin. They were waiting there. But Jesus comes, hallelujah, and He says, I've got the keys of Hades. I've got the keys of Hades so if he's got the keys of Hades who's got control over Hades now Jesus and 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 who's got authority over Hades Jesus and let me just let me just say this as well because some people some Christians even believe this that that Satan is is in charge of hell he's like sitting on his satanic Uh, Throne there in hell and he's got his demons around him and he's the one who torments the... Some people believe that nonsense. It is absolutely nonsense. He's not sitting there on a throne as if he's the king of hell. He's not. Where is Satan? Come on, you tell me. Let me tell you where Satan is. And so whenever somebody comes to you and say, oh, Satan is sitting in here, and, and I, look, let me just say it to you, and, and it's, you know, I went to... I went to um, um, Cambodia. In Cambodia, me and Leonie, we went to go and see a show. You know, we went for the elephants and it's beautiful there. And, but you've got to go through the show. And we sat down and we saw this whole thing about the mythology going through. And what do they have? They've got hell and they've got one ruler over hell who controls hell. And they tell their people not to go in there because this ruler has got authority over that. I went, to, I went to Vietnam, the same thing. I went to Vietnam on my, on my own and I, I went in there and there was this one show and I went in there and the same thing, the same story. There is hell and in hell there's the tormentor. And, and then where was the other place? I think it was in Japan where they burn incense as well. We were in Japan and we started seeing and I read it up about stuff about, in Hong Kong I saw it it's all over the asian world not only that the western world's got their own problems believe me but this is all nonsense there's no tormentor sitting there who's got charts over this and he torments everybody i don't know where they got that because it's certainly not in the word of god i'll tell you where satan is i read in the book of job okay this is factually out of the word of god no, no fake news here. This is factual. I read in the book of Job that the angels had to present themselves to God. And then Satan had to come and present him to God. And what did God say to him? Where were you? Did he say, oh, geez, just get it over God. And I say this with a lot of respect because I need to return back to my throne down there. and, and go, What did he say? He said, I went to and fro... Around the world looking for what? To destroy you and me. He's not sitting there bounded in hell. He's the power, the prince of the power of the air. You see, people just grab on small things and they start building their own theology. He's he's there. And he's going to and fro. Uh, Jesus came to, to Simon Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan asked for you. Where did Jesus get this? If he's then locked down and he's the controller of hell and he's, he's doing it, or he, he will have his hands full because there's already a lot of people in Hades waiting for judgment. How many people died since the the history of this world? He will have his hands full tormenting everyone. No, no, no. He says he asked for you to do what? Where was Peter at that point in time? In Hades. No, he was alive. He says to sift you. To sift you. No, don't follow that nonsense. I I get back to the word. So we find this place here is Hades. It's a holding place. It's the abode of the death. We can see they talk. We can see they feel because it's a torment and all of these things. We find Jesus, interestingly enough, talking about this on the cross. Follow it here now. Luke 23, verse 42. There were two beggars hanging alongside Jesus. One cursed him. The other one said to the one who cursed him, Stop cursing him. We deserve to hang here, but this man did nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say immediately? He said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, Today. Everybody say today. Today Today doesn't mean tomorrow, does it? I mean, you will have it quick, very wrong if you go, Today means tomorrow, because you will miss a lot of appointments. (laughs) He says to him, Today you will be with me where? In In paradise. Now, where did Jesus go from there? Did he ascend into heaven from the cross? No. The Bible says he went down. Where did he go to? He went to Hades. He went to the holding place. He, he went and preached to those souls before the flood of Noah. He went there to present himself. And by the way, by the I've heard something and preached this before he went and preached to them because they didn't have an opportunity and a lot of them gave their hearts to him because he preached to them in hell. that's nonsense the bible doesn't talk about that but he presented himself in paradise where was paradise we remember where this lazarus went he was at the bosom of Abraham. now i get it i give it to you it's not the best place to be in a holding place but they were comfort for them they were comfort for them so he said you will be with me in paradise Now, I read to you this scripture verse, because there's a lot of contention around this verse, but I give it to you, and you can let the Holy Spirit lead you in this, okay? Because what happened to Jesus? He was resurrected from Hades, from the grave, from the holding place. He's now got the keys of Hades and death, and then He ascended on high, They all saw that. And we find this fascinating scripture that Paul writes here. He says, Ephesians 4 verse 8, Therefore he says, When he ascended on high, Who's that? Jesus. He led captivity captive. Who's the captivity he's referring to? There we go. It's Abraham. It's on that side. Because people ask me these days, If I die as a child of God, where do I go? Do I go to purgatory? Do I go to Hades? No, brother and sister. I go to paradise. Where's paradise now? It's in heaven. It's with Him. It's with Him. Now He says, Now this, He ascended. What does it mean? But also that He first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended far above all heavens, that He might fill all things. You see... This is why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body. What does that mean? First death. First death. Absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 1, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. Now I want to show you where this paradise is right now have you heard somebody say there's nine heavens or seven seventh heaven seven heavens or somebody there's something that went on in you know I hear sometimes Christians even saying that yeah there's so many heavens you know no there's not there's only three heavens let me show it to you 2nd Corinthians 12 one. it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast this is Paul writing I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord I know a man, look at this man's humility, he didn't even say I Paul, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such one was caught up, what word is used there? (laughs) Harpatsu, he was harpatsu out, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for the rapture, the rapture of the church. He was the same thing. He says he was caught up into third heaven. Where will we be caught up into? Third heaven. So there's not seven heavens. There's not nine heavens. There's three. Let me explain to you what they are. First of all, that's the heaven right there out there. I can see now blue skies and I see clouds in that heaven. That's the first heaven. That's where the bird is flying. That's a beautiful event. I must give it to you. And I fly a lot in aeroplanes, a lot. It's so beautiful. Let me just say, if you haven't flown before, turbulence only happens through the clouds. But once you break through the clouds, it's it's a-okay. And it's so beautiful on the earth. It's raining. You know, look, it's gloom. And you go, oh, the world is so tough. But when you break through those clouds and you can see the sun, it is so beautiful. That's the first event first heaven. Then we find the second heaven. Where is the second heaven? If you can look beyond the atmosphere, you see planets, stars, you see Milky Ways, and you see, all. and by the way, let me just give you my personal thing, and, and I base it, There's no alien ships going around. You say, oh, I've seen all the YouTube videos of all of these extraterrestrial things happening all around the thing. Yes, they are there because Satan will in the last days try to deceive many. But there's no life out there except on the earth. So, unfortunately, Elon Musk is wasting his money to try to find life on Pluto. Is it Pluto? Mars. Mars. Pluto is even further. Hey, but, you know, geez, John Shipman, you're just a teacher from South Africa. Come on, what do you know? You're right, I know nothing. (laughs) You're absolutely right. But I read my Bible. And let me just say it out clear. This is where science start and end. (laughs) Oh, with this COVID thing. We just follow the science. This is where science start and end in i i'm getting sidetracked here but look at this now the second heaven is the planets and everything and then beyond that there is a third heaven which is the dwelling place of our god in the book of psalms he says he is on the northern mountain on the mountain in his kingdom it is so beautiful that when we leave this earth we will be taken to that place in paradise. Now, it's interesting. I said it before. And I know such a man, whether it's in the body, out of the body, I don't know, no, God knows how he was caught up into paradise. So he gives this third heaven a name. He calls it paradise. And heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So all of these books... About people who said that they died and came back and want to try to tell you a different story. It's unlawful books, those. Oh, they can come and testify to you that they've died. But, you know, all of these things about, I saw this one lady said, the most beautiful, beautiful peaches on the trees. Yeah, right. So, brothers and sisters, I leave you with this before we pray. Jesus says, I've got the keys of Hades. And death, He's got the keys of that holding place. Do you know now what that holding place is? I pray so. And what happens to you now when you die? I'm 100% absolutely convinced, brother and sister, if I blow out my last breath, that I will open up my my eyes in paradise with Christ and with the saints there. You know, this thing, you know, this rich man who lived his life, I hear it so often. You you, you see people living... uh, Maybe I'll tell you the story um, uh, with a testimony of of a farmer in South Africa. And he had a black man working for him. And they were very close. And when this old man died, he was standing at the funeral. This this black man was standing a little bit uh, uh, far off from him. He was working on his farm his whole life, from a small child his whole life. Not a slave. Don't go there. He was working for him, okay? But this man worked for him. He was, so, he was so well known in the district, this black man, that he could go into the town if the tractor break down and he will carry the farmer's hat and he will go to the tractor dealership and he'll say, the man of this hat, once his tractor broke, he wants to buy a new hat. They would give him that tractor to drive back to the farm. This is how well known, but as he was standing at the graveside there on the site, and there is his, his good friend, the farmer being laid to rest, one man walked over to him and he said to him, "Don't worry, he's in a better place. Don't we hear that often at funerals? He's in a better place." And this, this man was leaning against a tree. He says, "Oh." I know he was a good man. But if he's in a better place, that I don't know. Because if there was a better place, he never talked about it. He never told me about it. So, brother and sister, let's think about this. My prayer, and again, if I share the gospel to you in this way, and for those people who listen, two heart messages, I get it. It's not fun messages, but it's necessary. Death and Hades, in a row. If you sit here and if somebody can hear my voice today and you're not saved, this is your destiny. You will be going to the abode of the death, wait there in torments until the day of judgment and then have entry and residency in the lake of fire. You don't have to wait for that. There's no refugee status there. You just go by living your life as you live it today lawless, godless. But if you come to Him, and the Bible says if you confess your sin, and you call upon His name, and you declare Him to be God over your life, He will come to you and He will save your soul. And that is my prayer this morning. That if you sit here, and if you sit here and you say, I'm not sure, preacher, I want to say, make sure. I also believe in assurance of salvation. If He saved you, He saved you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. And thank You, Lord, that all of these are written in the Bible, in Your Word, in the Holy Scriptures. And Father, as we read them and as we follow them, we thank You, Lord, that it builds our faith.